Welcome to the Purpose and Principles podcast. I'm Max Brown. My guest today is Lisa Fain. Lisa is the CEO of the Center for Mentoring Excellence, and she's a global speaker on the intersection of mentoring and inclusion. She's also an executive coach and a former management side employment attorney. Her passion for diversity and inclusion work to fuel her strong conviction that leveraging differences creates a better workplace and it drives better business results. And she's the author of, of that subject called Bridging Differences for Better Mentoring. Lisa, I'm grateful that you'd be on the, the Purpose and Principles podcast. Thanks for joining me. Thanks so much for having me, Max. Glad to be here. Super fun. I, um, I'm curious, you know, why this message? We, we talk about diversity. Certainly, we're living in a in a, just a different world right now where a lot of diversity and lots of different viewpoints are coming out. But what what's this message all about? Why write this book? Yeah, so we have um, over time worked with hundreds, probably even thousands of mentoring pairs. And what we found that happens in the best mentoring relationships is when um, is when mentoring pairs really are able to bring their entire selves to the mentoring relationship mm. and that they really can talk about the differences between them and leverage them for better learning. So that's, that's really thing one. Mm. And thing two is I, um, before I came to this work, I was leading diversity and inclusion for a large organization. Mm-hmm. And um, I realized that um, while the training and working with leadership was really important in making a change, that the biggest changes happened when people had meaningful working relationships with people with whom they were different in some substantial way, whether it's gender, race, um, sexual orientation, what have you. Mm -hmm. And what happens when people really know other people um, who are different from them is that they they can no longer other other people. And here's Mm -hmm. what I mean by that. They really have a sense of connection and a sense of relationship with other people where they can start to create some knowing, they can start to create some competency of, of working across difference, mm-hmm. and it really makes a difference in the workplace. So I would say those are the two factors that really uh, worked together to help us decide to write this book. Yeah, interesting. I, um, I'm, I'm very conscious about how my kids experience the world, and so I'm trying to introduce them often, well, prior to obviously us to the travel restrictions, but but prior to travel restrictions, I, I get my kids out a lot in different time zones, in different cultures, in different countries, in different languages, um, and, and in just lots of different experiences. We even try to get my kids to experience um, different types of religious practice, for instance. And so I want my kids to just mm-hmm. experience lots and lots of different things um, in the world and, and still be comfortable with who they are as well. Absolutely. You know, and it raises an important, an, an important point, which is this difference between observation and judgment. Mm-hmm. So exposure to difference is really important to be able to observe and notice those differences mm-hmm. as opposed to judging those differences, right? Mm-hmm. So very often, I think part of the reason that we don't expose ourselves to difference is because we're, um, we're judging it. It's mm-hmm. better or it's worse. Mm-hmm. Often it's, it's worse or it's better right? mm-hmm. is, the, is the place our brains go. But instead of noticing differences and seeing why they make a difference, that really enriches experience. And to your point about wanting to expose your children to that, when they have that observation and they have that um, experience of being exposed to difference, they start to notice and be, have awareness of their own identity, mm-hmm. which is really important. And instead of, as a parent, fearing that they'll lose their identity, mm-hmm. 
Instead, it gives you the confidence and the wisdom to know that, that it helps them understand who they are and how it's shaped how they view the world, which is such a great gift to be able to give them. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think my kids become more confident in their own skin as they realize that there's lots of great people out in this world and they can be proud of 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 who they are and also be able to enjoy um, different perspectives or different experiences. Um, I'm, I'm thinking back with watching my kids play on a soccer field in in Costa Rica with just some of the local kids out on the out on the field and they couldn't communicate very well, mm-hmm. but they figured out how to how to play, you know, and they all just really enjoyed playing with one another, which I just thought was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, there's an element of fellowship there that's really quite lovely. Tell me more about the advantages of understanding different viewpoints. Um, I love the points you're making here, and I, I don't want to lose where you're headed. Um, what are the advantages, and why is that so important? So that as people hear this, they go, you know, we've heard about diversity, but this is a different perspective on it than I've heard before. Yeah. So I, I think in order to answer your question, Max, I have to back up to sort mm. of a 60,000-foot view, mm-hmm. which is to think about what is the benefit of having different backgrounds, different perspectives, um, different skill sets, different viewpoints in your life and in your workplace. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think, you know, I talk about it first in terms of the workplace. What we know from all different sorts of data is that more diverse workforces have better performance, better financial performance, better um, quantitative and qualitative um, results. Their people are more engaged. They, um, and, and I don't, I mean, people, all people are more engaged. Mm-hmm. Um uh, that the um, teamwork is better, that there's higher quality leadership, that um, you attract and retain and promote um, top talent um, in a way that you don't see in other organizations. So that's the workplace. In personal context, this idea that we talked about already of understanding who you are, mm-hmm. but also I know from my own relationships with people who are really different from me in some substantial way that I have become more culturally competent. Mm-hmm. Cultural competence is the skill of how you make sense of difference mm-hmm. and how you adapt across difference. So I have learned about, not just about my perspective, but I have, I have broadened my own thinking. I've become more creative. Um, I've become more empathetic. Um, I have, had more personal satisfaction in my relationships and more exposure to different experiences as a result of relationships with people who are different from me. Mm-hmm. And that's really enriched my life in a way that I can't quantify. Um, but that's really tangible. So that's the benefit. I think um, the problem is so often, and I know, I don't know if you can resonate with this, Max, but mm-hmm. I know when I was, when I was raised in the seventies and the eighties, you know, I was taught that you don't, race and you don't talk about race. I can remember saying things like, I don't care whether you're yellow, blue, purple, or green, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, people are the same wherever we go. And it's not that we don't have shared humanity. We do have a shared humanity. Mm-hmm. But we also have differences that make a difference in the way we view the world and in what our experience is. Mm-hmm. And if you, as I think about, um, about your question, I think about where we are as a society. You know, you and I are both in the U.S., mm-hmm. right, where we are as an American society right now in terms of our unwillingness to acknowledge inequities, 
Mm-hmm. And I think part of that is about lack of exposure to an acknowledgement of difference and different experiences. And I don't think we would be in this place. In fact, I know we wouldn't be in this place if we had more of an appreciation for the beauty and the variety and the benefit that difference brings. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you're on this show. I'm, I'm just going to put that out there. Mm-hmm. I'm just, because this is the kind of conversations we need to be having. Um, and, and it's interesting for me to say that also, if I could add to it, I, I, I'd love to get your take on this, but, but it's, 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 some people definitely don't empathize or understand the, the, the inequity you're talking about, but I think that there's also people that are very concerned about it, but think that there's a different um, way to answer it, perhaps, than other people think about it. You know what I mean? And so there's also that crossroads. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of filters right now in social media that kind of reinforce one's own beliefs and that once you know you're pegged on Facebook as to who you are, you only get fed information that you want to believe or that reinforces your beliefs rather than getting something, like you said, the diversity and the, the beauty of having a conversation that is, that is not just of your own thoughts can be beautiful if we can do it in a very thoughtful and, and civil way. And I, I think there's something missing in the way we absorb and learn information now. Is that fair? Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Exactly right, Max. I mean, you know, it's interesting. We all live in this echo chamber. Yeah. That if we don't have intentionality about the information we consume and the people with whom we develop um, and deepen our relationships, mm-hmm. then it will happen by default. Right. And we will have sameness. And, you know, it's not until there's some intentionality, you know, it's funny because um, uh, there's been all sorts of lists circulating, particularly since May when George Floyd was killed about Mm -hmm. what can people do, right, Mm -hmm. in order to create um, a more equitable workplace. And some of the suggestions may initially feel simple, but because they're about education and awareness, which doesn't feel to people like action. Mm-hmm. But to me, education and awareness are so fundamental to to right action. Mm-hmm. Meaning, if we try to take action to create a world that we think is more equitable without educating ourselves, and I'm speaking mostly when we talk about, we're talking about racism, when we're talking, I'm, right now I'm speaking to, to white people, mm-hmm. but um, if we try to take action to to create a more anti-racist society without knowing and educating ourselves and being aware of different perspectives, then we actually can do more harm than good. Mm. So to your point, having the intentionality to be exposed to different viewpoints, maybe something as simple as looking at um, diverse um, influencers on Facebook or Instagram or whatever your social media, LinkedIn, whatever your social media platform of choice is, mm-hmm. different, uh, you know, reading different news sources. Um, you know, it's, it can be really, really helpful to start to see things from different perspectives because to your point, we're fed things that confirm or echo the way we think. Mm-hmm. And then we think it's the only way to think. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. And, and that everyone who agrees with us is obviously, you know, the good guys and anyone who disagrees with us are the bad guys or worse yet, sometimes we label them as evil. And I'm not saying that evil doesn't exist in the world, you know, for those of you know, we're, we're kind of touching into some really sensitive topics today, but I'm not afraid of having yeah. that conversation. I just don't want our listeners to think that we're trying to stereotype a, a situation here. We're not. I think what we're trying to do is talk about there is there's great advantage in having a civil conversation. And that's what I've been advocating for decades. And I think that's what you're saying here. Yeah, I think it's a civil conversation is absolutely true. 
and an exploratory conversation where you're not afraid of different viewpoints. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny because I talk a lot about curiosity Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the importance of curiosity. Yes. There was a great, uh, I'm sort of a Harvard Business Review junkie. I love the Harvard Business Review. Uh-huh. <laughs> and um, uh, I read those, I read the articles, I read the issues front to back. Mm-hmm. And about a year and a half ago, in October, believe it or not, it's actually two years ago now, in September of 2018, there was an, an issue, the September-October issue was about curiosity. And I, I, I swallowed that one up. And the reason I swallowed that one up is because one of the things that it talked about was that curiosity is now viewed as the number one trait of a, excuse me, the number one quality in a leader that makes um, them most successful, mm-hmm. more than, you know, influencing, more than listening, more than, you know, any other quality. Curiosity is the number one predictor of leadership success. Mm-hmm. And this really resonates with me because in our work, what I find is if you get curious about different viewpoints, if you get curious about people with what, what makes the people tick with whom you're in relation, excuse me, what makes people with whom you're in relationship tick, Mm -hmm. right? I'm curious how you view this. I'm curious how this would be different. Mm -hmm. This was my experience. What's yours? And really have that sense of curiosity. You can dig a lot deeper and learn so much and create more meaningful mentoring, working, um, and personal relationships. Yeah. And so this idea of using curiosity instead of using judgment, judgment mm-hmm. is so critical in, um, you know, in bridging differences. I, I love that you bring that up. I love it. And when people ask me, what does it take to be a good coach? I say, start with curious, be curious all the time. Mm-hmm. And, but it comes from a level mm-hmm. of, there's a, there's a level of humility that is required in that, right? Because curiosity that um, is kind of edged or uh, what I would say weaponized can also become almost demeaning. Uh, It's kind of like when people in lean or continuous improvement kind of use the five whys to demean someone. And I'm saying, no, if you're coming from Mm -hmm. a level of curiosity, of humility, then when I ask you the question, it's because I really want to understand it, not because I'm trying to humiliate you or to you know, shame you into feeling like you you had the wrong answer. I, I just want to know where you're coming from, and I deeply am trying to listen to understand. You know what I mean? Like, it's just a different approach. I love yeah, I that word. So, yeah, it's so critical. And, it's, you know, I love that you link curiosity and, and humility, Max, because, you know, particularly in the mentoring context, so most often in mentoring relationships, or certainly mentoring pairs, the mentor has more experience, more seniority. Mm-hmm what have you, right? And so their default is to go in and say, I know how it is. You know, I know the answer. I know, um, I know what's going to work for you. You know, here's my experience. Do that. Mm-hmm. And um, it takes humility to recognize that your right path as a mentor might not be the right path for your mentee. And while you can share your wisdom, you have to couple that with the curiosity of how might or might that not work for my mentee? Mm-hmm. How might their own experience and their own truth be different than mine? And this trait of humility is, I mean, it's like it really is a, a partner to the trait of curiosity. Yeah, I love that. I do. What are, what are some of your biggest red flags uh, that you look for when you're working with a client? Um, and how do, how do you make it perhaps safe for people to be able to have different viewpoints in a world where right now it's kind of scary to talk about some of these things or people aren't sure how to approach it. 
Yeah, there's lots of ways to answer that question. Mm. So, and I'll, I can think of sort of two frameworks for, for answering that question. So red flag in dealing with a client, most of our clients are organizational clients and they will say, um, you know, we have a mentoring program or we have a mentoring culture and I'll say, well, tell me about it. And they'll say, well, we tell people that they can, you know, they, we, we either, we do what I call pair and pray, mm-hmm. which is we pair people and then we pray that it succeeds without any action. Mm-hmm. Right. Or, um, you know, we tell people that, you know, we support mentoring and, you know, then we see what happens and we let it happen organically. Mm-hmm. That's one red flag. And the other is I say to them, well, what outcomes are you looking for in, um, you know, implementing a mentoring program or having a mentoring culture. And they say outcomes. I don't know. You know, mm. we think it's a good thing to do. We hear mentoring is something that's in demand. Yeah. So both um, having, and so what's the answer to that? The answer is um, that um, accountability, training and structure is critical in having a successful mentoring initiative for an organization. And um, also knowing what it is you're trying to achieve and designing a mentoring initiative around that. Um, is really important. So that's sort of the first framework. The second, I think, is you were asking a little bit differently, mm. which is on an individual level, what's a red flag? What's a red flag that it, I mean, there may be a mentor and a mentee aren't connecting or aren't successfully bridging differences. Mm-hmm. And my answer to that's a little bit different. So I will often, you know, if I um, hear that, um, for example, uh, you know, we got to goals right away. We started meeting and all of a sudden we just like dug right in and we started, um, we started, uh, you know, on goal achievement and, you know, um, we're off to the races. And mm-hmm. I say, wait a minute, did you take time to stop and, and build trust and establish the relationship? Mm-hmm. And they say, well, we don't need to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, we know what the goals are. We just got to get going. And it is important to be goal focused and it is important to be goal driven, mm-hmm. but it's also important to have um, the kind of mentoring relationship where you are, make sure you're working on the right goal, yeah. that you're finding the right solution and that you are really stretching yourselves and able to push, you know, I like to say mentors push, mentees stretch. And you can only really do that on an environment of um, safety and trust. Mm-hmm. Safety and trust comes with time and intentionality. Mm-hmm. So the red flag to me in that instance is, all right, I'm thrilled that you got to goals, but I'm not sure it's going to be the right goal and that you're going to be able to have really deep, meaningful dialogue until or unless you've taken the time to really get to know each other and with intentionality build a relationship. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and for me, I, I love your distinction there, and I think it's an important one to, to point out that if, if someone wants to do something like that and they say, well, maybe that's their, as long as they acknowledge perhaps that that's kind of like their icebreaker, then they realize that deeper work mm-hmm. still has to be done, um, that that they're not done mm-hmm. yet because they're just achieving this objective. Like you said, I think it's kind of scratching on the surface and there's probably something uh, much deeper or much richer they could be doing and achieving together. I was actually with a client. I used to do a lot of work in China and lived in Asia for seven years. And and one of my clients called me and said, hey, are, we have two teams that aren't working well together. And I said, and they said, well, what would you like to do? And they said, well, you know what? We want a team building event. We want you to come and do a team building event. And I said, well, help me understand this situation. And, you know, after about an hour and a half conversation, finally realized that what was going on was they have a system that supports an internal conflict. I said, if you, if you do a team building event, but keep that system where the internal conflict never changes, you're just going to frustrate a lot of people and you're probably going to lose a lot of credibility. So I love what you're saying. We have to make these distinctions on what are you trying to achieve? Do you have that level of trust? 
Is it safe? And do you have a system to support it going forward? Yeah, 100%. 100%. super interesting, isn't it? Uh, what do you say to those yeah. who, um, Lisa, that, that say, you know, diversity of viewpoints is great, but, but kind of like your other example a moment ago, they say, we don't have a lot of time for everyone to just share all their ideas. We've got to move forward. We've got to achieve results. Um, so what do you say to those who say, we don't have a lot of time for all these viewpoints. We just got to move forward. We got to get stuff done. Yeah. So, so in having an inclusive environment that values diverse voices isn't about con having consensus. Mm -hmm. It isn't about everybody has to share their viewpoint all the time. Mm -hmm. What it is, is about creating an environment where people feel comfortable both innovating, sharing, and really significantly dissenting, mm -hmm. right? And, um, and that it's deeper than, you know, that you can have those sort of deep level conversations. And so what I say to people who say I don't have time, and let me frame, let me start this by saying I am a type A person. I am a like, you know, dig in, let's cut the niceties and cut to the chase. This is, you know, we got some work, we got work to do kind mm -hmm. of person. And what I found is, and really what the studies show is that I will get to a better result more quickly mm -hmm. if I take the time up front to build a trusting, inclusive work environment. Mm. It might be slower at the start, but it'll be better and quicker at the end once you've taken the time to do that. Mm. So what I say is, you know, just to address your question head on, well, we are not talking about, you know, going around the table and letting everybody share all the time. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about creating a culture within a team within a group, within a pair, within an organization that invites different perspectives mm -hmm. where people feel safe in sharing them mm -hmm. and they don't feel like they have to cover. There's this phenomenon called covering, which um, uh, has been studied by Kenji Yoshino from, um, I think he's from Stanford. Um, and there's a great TED talk called by um, Christy Smith called time to get under the covers that I can send you a link to if you want to put it in the notes for mm -hmm. your listeners. But the, the idea, the concept is that people spend more time covering their identity mm -hmm. in an environment that's not inclusive than they do actually, um, uh, you know, participating and sharing their creativity. And that's particularly true for people who feel as though they are different from what the norm is within an organization. So traditionally underrepresented folks. And so if you, if you really learn the skill of bridging differences, mm -hmm. what you do is you avoid that. You, well, you certainly minimize, you may not be able to avoid, but you minimize the amount of covering that the people in these relationships do mm -hmm. so that they can really spend time on contributing. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm just thinking about what you just said so that I can just fully comprehend and, and just think about and appreciate what you're saying to folks. I want people to come away today hopeful that they can be part of a better solution. You know what I mean? I, 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 I don't yeah. want people to think that, oh, well, that was just a fun conversation. You know, Lisa and Max had a good chat. What, what can we do today to help people understand that we can be better and that because we've we've had these conversations today that we will all be better because we did so. You know what I mean? Like how will we help people to be able to get some confidence 
uh, what would you say would be a first next step for those who are listening for us today? Yeah, I think that the, <laughs> there's the two, here are the two first steps. Awesome. Sorry, I'm not answering your question. No, it's great. You asked it. Here are the two first steps. Um, we talk about this a bit in our book, but I can simplify it in a, in a soundbite for you, which yeah. is this idea of ownership and awareness. The first is re- recognize that if you want to bridge difference, mm-hmm. it's your responsibility to do so. It's not somebody else's, right? So that's the first thing is ownership. And the second thing is awareness is think about who the elements of your identity that impact the way you show up in the world. You can't notice uh, different. So there's not, people are not different, are not inherently different. Differences lie between people. And so you can't recognize differences until you recognize your own stuff. And this is particularly true for folks who don't identify as, you know, who don't think of themselves as quote diverse, right? They think of themselves as like, I just haven't thought about diversity. It's think about the elements of your identity that shape the way you show, you show up. Maybe it's your religious beliefs. Maybe it's your uh, elements of your upbringing or your socioeconomic status. Maybe it's your political orientation. Maybe it's, you know, you can think of all of these different elements. Maybe it's your marital status or your family history or your experience with abilities and disabilities. could be any of these things mm-hmm. that, that impact the way you show up. And you can start to notice difference because you can't bridge difference until you notice it. And this is going to seem so counterintuitive for so many people who are listening because it's going to sound, people equate difference with divisiveness. Mm-hmm. I'm sort of on this personal mission, you know, Max, a little bit of an aside, but I think it's related and you'll see it. Mm-hmm. You'll, you'll understand it in a sec. You know, we say so often we connected despite our differences. And I'm sort of on this personal mission to eradicate that from our vocabulary because mm-hmm. I think what is more, um, uh, which would expand possibility and gives us more hope and more um, of an understanding of really the value of difference is to say we connected because of our differences. And instead of thinking of differences as things that divide, we think of differences of things, difference as something that's really a beautiful thing to learn more about. It's a subject and an object of curiosity. And if we can exercise that curiosity, we can bridge those differences. So it's not about divisiveness. It's about coming together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out or think through because I, I, I think this is, again, Every time you you bring something up and another point to this, Lisa, that I think adds another element that we should all be thinking about. And we're not asking people to say that you have to adopt someone else's religious belief or someone else's political belief. What we're saying is, is can you hear and be curious about where that person's coming from and and still be able to... Um, uh, like you said, and 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 not despite our differences, but actually enjoy each other because of our differences. And sometimes I feel like right now the news is emphasizing how we're becoming more and more divided because of different beliefs and because of different backgrounds and different experiences. And what you're saying today might seem quite unpopular to a lot of people. And so I'm trying to figure out how are listeners feeling hearing this today? Um, and, and Lisa, what I'm trying to figure out for us is how do we advance conversations like these where people can feel that it's not despite our differences, it's because of our differences that we can actually be better together. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I do. I think the first step is really to seek out different perspectives. That's mm-hmm. so hard. I mean, and we're saying this, you know, here we are in September of 2020 with an election 
mm-hmm. in, you know, eight weeks, I don't know, six mm-hmm. weeks, whatever it is, um, where we're, you know, certainly the political divisiveness is, is probably stronger than it's been, you know, in, in much of my lifetime. Maybe you're, maybe you feel the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is a hard pill for people to swallow because we have this, you know, binary of, you know, the other is bad and mine is good. Right. 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 And um, so, so coming together is so, so, so important. But I would say, find an, you know, find um, uh, outlets to get other opinions, get other perspectives, excuse me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if I, I, I'll speak particularly in terms of race, because I think that's particularly important right now, mm-hmm. is find, um, uh, you know, read uh, books about what's happening, read, uh, make it a priority to hear more diverse voices and, 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 um, learn from them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, seek out, you know, if you are somebody who spends a lot of time on social media, populate your feed, because as you mentioned or really early on in this conversation, if you don't populate it, they'll populate it for you. Mm-hmm. So seek out, um, you know, accounts and voices of people, um, who have different viewpoints and really just start to um, learn because this idea of othering people, right? You know, it's, it's them versus us mm-hmm. is so dangerous, not just to our, our, you know, the fabric of our society, but to our individual relationships. Yeah. I, so for me, it's interesting because even years ago, decades ago, um, I was doing some, some, you know, training in Asia where we said, Hey, listen, we all we all actually have much more in common than we have in difference, and let's talk about what that is. And even in our differences, then it doesn't mean that we're evil. It just means that we come from these different perspectives, as you just shared. Um, and again, we're not saying that there isn't evil in the world. That we're we're acknowledging that, but we're not saying that everyone in the world that has a different opinion than me or grows up in a different way than I am or that I did is evil. And I think that's what we're discussing. Right? Is we're discussing that. There's, there's civility to be had, even when we don't share common or same experiences. A hundred percent. You know, there's the, the, what you're talking about is really this idea of polarization, which mm-hmm. we talk, when we talk about intercultural competence, polarization is the judging mm-hmm. of difference. It is, it is better versus worse. Mm-hmm. It is preferable versus not preferable. It is good versus bad. And if we look at, if we do, if we judge differences, we're not going to really be open to those differences. It doesn't, as you pointed out so, so beautifully just a couple of minutes ago, it doesn't mean we say you have to adapt somebody else's point of view. It doesn't mean we're trying to change who you are um, or have you doubt the, you know, um, moral rightness of your own point of view. Mm-hmm. It's just about um, taking, getting rid of the assumption that there is a better or a worse and looking at the fact that there is value in difference mm-hmm. and it's, it's different. It's not better or worse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I really appreciate that you would be able to jump on the, on the call with me today. Lisa Fain is the CEO of Men- the Center for Mentoring Excellence, talking today about her book, Bridging Differences for Better Mentoring. Um, is there anything that surprised you since writing this book, Lisa, that uh, what's your message having written the book, is there anything you would say, Ooh, if I could have added that, I would have. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, this book came out in at the end of February this year, and I feel like the uh, world has changed immensely mm-hmm. since then. So I wish I had, we had talked more about virtual mentoring, which is something that I'm spending a lot of time on 
right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I should say that um, I wrote the book, but I didn't write it alone. My co-author is Lois Zachary, mm-hmm. who's the founder of Center for Mentoring Excellence. And also, um, I'm so fortunate that she's also my mother. So uh, we had um, our own bridging of generational differences um, in writing this as well. But mm-hmm. um, I wish we had talked more about virtual mentoring because obviously the world is now a virtual world uh, in a way that it wasn't when we wrote and when the book came out. Um, and just talking about ways to um, connect despite sort of the physical disconnection. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the things that I'm spending a lot of time right now on is helping people, helping organizations develop virtual mentoring programs um, and get over this um, bias of um, we have to wait, or I should say this limiting belief that we have to wait um, until we're back in person to develop a mentoring culture. In mm-hmm. fact, when people are physically disconnected, the mentoring is more important than ever. And so yeah. creating that connection through mentoring is really, really critical. Yeah, these little touch points that we have with one another really matter virtually or in person, whatever we can do to be able to help uh, bring that humanity back, right? A hundred percent. And, you know, I don't know if you experience this, Max, but, you know, certainly we're all spending a lot of time on Zoom or WebEx or mm-hmm. Microsoft Teams or whatever the, you know, video conferencing software choices, platform of choices. And there's actually opportunities for a deeper connection in some ways. Mm. So, you know, you see the um, people's, you know, children or pets or favorite painting or um, memento on their desk. There are, there are, those are more opportunities for curiosity and getting to know one another mm. that you don't have at the water cooler because you have this, you know, um, division between personal and uh, professional when you go into an office. But when you are when you're, you are almost inviting somebody into your home when you're on video conference in a way that you can create a different kind of connection. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, the, the memes that I'm seeing now in, in social media are quite funny, you know, and whether you, whether we, whether you see kids crawling all over someone and everyone just keeps going on in the meeting because they know it's okay, you know, like they're all in the same boat, you know, we're all, we're all educating our students at home. My kids are in a classroom in their bedrooms and in the kitchen and, I mean, it's just everyone's everywhere trying to figure this out together right now. There's this, there's this deeper level of empathy, I think, like you've just suggested, because we're all kind of experiencing this together. Yeah, and we can't quite so carefully curate our image as we do when we, you know, <laughs> leave our houses, get in our car, go to the office, whatever. You know, it's yeah. just um, a little more real. It is. Lisa, what would you want people to remember from this conversation? I think that we can connect because of our differences, Mm -hmm. that um, it's important to not judge or minimize our differences, but really accept those differences and get curious about them. Um, And um, that in order to really do that, you got to do so with intention. Yeah. Where can people get more information about the work you're doing? So you can check out our website at centerformentoring.com. Um, or connect with me on LinkedIn. My uh, LinkedIn name is Lisa Zachary Fane. Lisa, thank you for joining me on the Purpose and Principles podcast. I'm really grateful you could join me today. Max, what a great conversation. Thanks so much for having me. I've really enjoyed it. You know, it brings me hope. It brings me hope um, that, you know, people can feel we can model a way going forward. And, and I, you know, I think, Lisa, if you and I were to sit down in a conversation, uh, you know, person to person, we would realize that we come from very different places and very different backgrounds, right? Um, 
Uh, and yep. and yet we can still engage very thoughtfully and meaningfully with one another. And I hope that that's what people can feel from this today as well. And I, I really just appreciate um, the conversation. So thanks for, for being on it. Thank you. All right. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks for being on the show. Be safe, be wise. Have a great week.